Hello, everyone. This is Pastor Cooper, and welcome to the Midweek Podcast. This is an episode styling within our Cheney Faith Center podcast collection. So maybe you're listening on Spotify, iTunes, or maybe on our website through the little podcast player. Um, But what we like to do is have another episode throughout the midweek um, that just talks a little bit more either from our Sunday messages or talks on some cultural moments from a biblical perspective. So it's been so far really fun and something that Mark and I have really liked. And a lot of times we'll have some other special guests a part of this. So I really encourage you to look back on our previous midweek episodes. But um, here is this upcoming episode of The Midweek. All right. Well, welcome everyone to The Midweek Podcast. And um, we're after Easter. We are post-Easter. Post-Easter. Yeah. And we're also post-Gonzaga losing. Post-Gonzaga losing. <laughs> the national yeah, championship. Yeah. Do you have anything to say about it? Well, they didn't resurrect after the UCLA game. I think that's what Ooh, happened. They did not come back to yeah, life yeah. and uh, got punched in the mouth early and yeah. didn't get off the canvas too well. No, no. So. But that was, man, the UCLA game. That was electrifying. Oh, yeah. That was probably the best game of the tournament by yeah, far. That was pretty fun. Probably the best game I've watched in a long time, yeah. to be honest. It was good. If you weren't a basketball fan, it was just fun to watch. Oh, it. yeah. It was just good competition. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Well, how was how was the Easter weekend for the Postuma household? It was great. Good. Yeah. Lots of good stuff from Good Friday. Good Friday service and prayer experience was mm-hmm. phenomenal. And... um and then having a great time just doing the serve experience mm-hmm. on Saturday and as a family too, just kind of hung out and that was great. And then Sunday too, just had a great time, mm-hmm. you know, celebrating Jesus at church and then it just had family over and that was really fun and cool. did Any some fun Easter things. Egg hunts? Uh, no Easter egg hunts. Uh, we, but you know, Jackson's only two months old and so, yeah. um, we just <laughs> ate his candy for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so That's great. yeah that was fun had some family some other families over later in the afternoon and that was fun and yeah uh yeah we just had a great time it was a good yeah. time just eating together and celebrating jesus and fun. yeah it was a fun fun yeah. fun weekend how about you yeah we um went over to my in-laws well connor and elsa's and then we had some family over and also the hans came over and i just remember this when we we're talking just right now so they did their, the Hans did their own little Easter egg hunt in their house. Right. And they used to ride around the corner from the Martins. And they had 18 eggs out there, but the girls only found nine. And they realized that roast beef, their chocolate lab, oh, ate nine eggs. no. <laughs> Shell and all. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, and Josh was like, yeah, he just ate nine eggs. <laughs> so, uh, I wonder how he's feeling right yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I can't imagine that that feels very good coming out the other (laughs) end. (laughs) So, yeah, other than that, then we went to my parents and hung out with my family for a little bit. And we've always done Easter baskets just as a fun family thing. So we did that for the kids. But then I pulled a old trick out of our family's book where I bought myself something and I had my dad hide it and I like found it. (laughs) I bought myself a new little fishing pole. Um From Bymart, because I was like, great. I need just a just a short fishing pole that makes it easy when we're fishing with the kids. Right. Because I have a bunch of fishing poles, which are all like six, seven, eight feet. Right. I want just a little four footer, and so yeah. they had a quick little special at Bymart that I bought. Yeah. And so I found it, and <laughs> Whitney was like, <laughs> "You joking me? <laughs> you have fishing poles?" I'm like, "But I don't have a four foot fishing pole." That's right. Now this is great. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. So and a short four foot light rod actually is, is really fun, fun to oh, catch fish on. 
Yeah, it's a, yeah. yeah, it's a super lightweight one, and that, yeah, that is really fun. So I'm little, excited. Little four pound test, six oh, pound yeah. test. Yeah. Oh, we, yeah. we go out to Badger Lake all the time. Yeah, fishing those little those little cut bows they plant out yeah. there. Yeah. Oh, they're so fun. They're just super energetic and lively, and yeah, and that little 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 ultralight pole is going to be fun. It's just going to be bending over. And yeah, like, oh. it's going to be that. Yeah, that's really fun. Yeah. So exciting. Well, in our conversation today, we want to just talk more yep. about Easter. But about the resurrection specifically, yeah. um, that was Good. one of the things a few weeks ago that we, as we were kind of planning out our podcast schedule, we wanted to just have some more time to talk mm-hmm. on is the resurrection, yeah, the importance of it, um, the implications of it, and just get down, kind of do a little bit of a deep dive in it, and um, yeah, just kind of have some maybe fun questions that come yeah. out of our conversation, right, um, and things. So um, it, it was cool because Pastor Kate on our Easter services shared. From 1 Corinthians 15 yep. to kind of open That's up right. our service. And we're going to kind of be in that section of scripture in our conversation um, right now about that. So the resurrection, Jesus rises from the grave. He was dead and he's alive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some of the things that maybe a lot of people, maybe skeptics, but even Christians right. are like, well, how, how do we know? Right. That he actually rose from the dead. Mm-hmm. Like, what proof is there? Like, yeah, people talk about it. We have it in our Bibles. But, mm-hmm. like, how, how is this something? Like, why can we as Christians say this happened and this is how we can place our hope in him? So right. maybe just give us a little bit of some, you know, just insight and just some good, mm-hmm. um, I guess, dialogue on, on what yeah. that is. Yeah. I, I think this is really good. It's super important to know. And I think once you once you become a Christian and you start walking in the spirit, mm-hmm. you you realize, you know, God's alive in me. You you know he's risen from the dead because he's living in you, he's talking to you, he's mm-hmm. you know, you're you're living in a living relationship with him. So that becomes a reality and you, you really can't take that away from you. But from like a proof standpoint, that that's an mm-hmm. even better question. Right. You know, like like how do you prove that Jesus came back from yeah. the dead, right? Well, in order to do that, I think we need a little bit of context that helps us understand that. And it, it's a context that we have in our culture, but it's also, it was a huge context in the Jewish culture, even mm-hmm. the Roman and Greek culture. And that's just the context of uh, the the importance of a witness. Mm-hmm. Can I get a witness? Yeah, that's right. Can I get a witness? <laughs> so anytime you needed to prove something, whether it was in court or in the marketplace mm-hmm. or anywhere for that matter, to buy a piece of property, a- anytime there needed to be proof about anything, in the Jewish culture, it al- they always required two witnesses. Mm-hmm. So you had to have two witnesses to, to prove someone guilty, to... Uh, present judgment upon someone. Um, this is why, by the way, when you read through the Gospels mm-hmm. and you read about the, the the false way that they tried Jesus, and in every Gospel they brought witnesses forward. Mm-hmm. It says, but none of them could actually. They'd all contradict one another, and they could right. never actually. They right. could never actually get two witnesses that would prove anything. Yeah, Pilate said. I don't find any (laughs) basis for charges against this man. There's not a single witness. There's no basis for charges. The only reason I'm going to, to, to crucify him is because I have this, this thing that I do on your celebration weekend where I release somebody to you. Mm -hmm. And that's, I'm going to, so I'm going to crucify Jesus and release Barabbas. But I want you to know I'm, I've washed my hands of this. Mm -hmm. In other words, I find no legal basis for his guilt. There's none. 
Um, and that's because there's no witnesses there, right? Well, when you get to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and Paul is talking about this, and he's talking about the importance of the resurrection. And in verse 3, mm-hmm. he says, For what I received I passed on to you is of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Now, mm-hmm. let's just stop there. Right there, he's kind of fact-proofing. So he's saying, these are the three things, these are things that are of the most importance that you need to know about your faith as a Christian. Christ died for your sins, okay? He was de- he was human, mm-hmm. he died according to the scriptures. So what Paul means is, I'm not going to take the time right now in my letter to pull up about 300 different prophecies mm-hmm. that all from the law and the prophets that would all prove Jesus Christ as Messiah and prove that he would have to die for our sins. Yeah. I'm not going to take the time to proof text all of that for you. Just know that it was according to the scriptures that he was buried. Okay. This is another factual thing. So we're not talking about some sort of mystical story or something. No, we have factual proof that the Romans took him off the cross. Mm -hmm. Joseph of Arimathea went and asked for his body. Mm -hmm. Nicodemus was with him. They took his body and they put it in a tomb and then they sealed it and Pilate sealed it. The, they guarded Mm -hmm. it. Um, this is not some sort of, you know, Spirit, it, it wasn't a spiritual death. Well, yeah, and it this wasn't, wasn't a spirit. Yes, yeah, well. it wasn't a setup. This wasn't a spiritual death. This all really happened. He mm-hmm. really died. They thrust the spear in his side and found out, you know, blood and water flowed, and he mm-hmm. was he was he was considered by the witnesses, the Roman witnesses. There, he is deceased, mm-hmm. right? And then he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. Same thing again, mm-hmm. that he came back to life according to the scriptures. And then right there, there's where you and I can ask the question, okay, prove that. How do you know that? And he gives us proof, verse 5 and 6. And that he appeared to Cephas, or Peter, and then to the 12, so then to the 12. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and Mm -hmm. sisters at the same time. And then this phrase is really important, most of whom are still living. Mm-hmm. So when Paul is writing this to the Corinthians, what he's saying is if you want to go talk yeah. to any of these people, yeah. you can go talk to them and you can ask them if they saw Jesus with their own mm-hmm. eyes for days, weeks yeah. after he was after he had died, right? So he's making a case for those people that um, some of them have died or fallen asleep. That's the same term for dying, you know, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. Mm -hmm. So Paul's making this case in, in the court structure or in everyday life structure, you have to have two or three witnesses to make proof. Paul's saying we have hundreds, we have hundreds of people right now that Mm -hmm. could walk in this room. They're all still alive. And they would, they would say to you, yes, Mm -hmm. um, I'll swear on the Bible. <laughs> yeah, I saw him alive. Yes, and um, every single one would say the same thing. You know, we're talking about hundreds of people. Mm-hmm. So what Paul is giving is this very, very uh, powerful proof that you know this happened. Now, yeah. br- that brings up a, uh, you know a moment for us, like, um, well, you know, that's what you believe as Christians, and you know, we we may we can choose to agree to disagree. And and the reality is you really can't choose to agree to disagree mm-hmm. because for all of time, do you want that kind of standard set? 
that we would have multiple witnesses in a case or, or uh, proving something, mm-hmm. and we would, in the future, when those people are gone, say, okay, that now nullifies that truth because uh, I can choose to believe whatever I want. No, it doesn't work that way. When you have witnesses and they've all confirmed the same thing, mm-hmm. it's final. It's done. It's and so we have to we have to trust that. Right. You know, if if you got if you got in a car accident and you were the one at fault and there were multiple witnesses there, you'd want them to confirm your story. Yeah. You'd want them to stand up and say, No, the guy in that car was not at fault. It was the other person that, mm-hmm. you know, ran through a red light and hit them and and you know you'd want those stories to come out the same thing is happening here this is proof that jesus is who he said he was and that the resurrection happened and and it's true um and then we we also have um just extra biblical um literature and letters where people are writing back and forth to one another collaborating their stories Mm -hmm. and things like that that are all happening and um and that we can go back to and say, hey, the, the, this is all proof mm-hmm. that Jesus has been risen from the dead. And then there's also, um, I mean, this isn't like maybe the great, the, the, the end all be all proof for sure, uh, because even wrong things can last a long time. But, um, but it is true that, you know, Christianity has been around for a long time. And just because it's been around for a long time doesn't mean, you know, I mean, there are mm-hmm. other things that have been around a long time and they're not the truth either. So, um, it may not be the best context, but I mean, the reason that Christianity hasn't gone away is because he is alive in us mm-hmm. and we still have the hope of glory in him and we always will. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, that's part of our context. Yeah. And, and this is, you know, one of the verses that we use mm-hmm. and that is, you know, it's really a, a proof verse and we're trying to, mm-hmm. to show why it's so important and why it's valuable in our mm-hmm. lives and why the resurrection is important. So, yeah. yeah, that's good. Yeah. And I think like even just with like the tomb and guards are guarding it, yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's almost impossible it for like been some impossible. type of, yes. you know, um, oceans 11 style like right. thing to, yeah. to dig his body and exhume it or whatever it yeah. is. And I um, mean, it was just mm-hmm. impossible. And like, like you said, the key thing is the amount of witnesses yeah. that are also written about within the Bible and Mm -hmm. some of the key ones are women. Right. And they're highlighting, no, Mary saw him. Yeah. Like they're highlighting usually that's not the case. Like, no, this is a big deal. Like a woman saw him and she confirmed it with other witnesses who are male. Yeah. And they said, yes, she is correct. Like that that's a big deal. That's a huge deal. In the culture to say like this is something that actually did happen. Right. Like he's not there. The body is gone. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah. And then, like, I, and then just as you were saying how, like, the, the two witnesses is a big deal and the walk to Emmaus, I was like, oh, it's two people, right. you know, and he visits yep. them on the walk That's and right. they have the same story and Luke talks about it and he, like, says, yeah, it's Clopas or Cle- Cleopas. Cleopas, yeah. Um, and so there's this, this, like, the same story is happening. Right. It's not random, oh, I think so. And it was yeah. like, no, those two people, they were walking with Jesus. Right. And he's disappeared. <laughs> yeah. Know? And then you have two thing. witnesses, mm-hmm. you know, then you yeah. have two witnesses of yep. that fact as well. Yeah. And that's why you see stuff like that. Oh, I, I just thought of something else that would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went to Israel in 93. So a while back now, but um, when we went to see the empty tomb of Christ, one of the things at the time, there was about three different 
spots where you could go mm-hmm. and then look at an empty tomb, right? Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like, okay, which one is it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that was kind of going through my mind yeah. as we were standing there. Interestingly enough, um, the garden that we went to was right by Golgotha, mm-hmm. which scripture confirms that the garden was right near mm-hmm. um, the crucifixion site and that there was a fresh cave right there, right? So that's what scripture says. doesn't say anything about going back into the city and being buried in there. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting. So um, the, the gentleman who was running our little tour said, you know, one of the things that we get asked, at, off, asked often, and you're probably wondering too, is how can we prove that mm-hmm. this was the tomb of Jesus and that it's, you know, because it's empty. Mm-hmm. So, um, like, you can, you can prove the tomb of many religious figures because their bones are in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you can say, okay, yep, there's the dead guy, right? Mm-hmm. You can't do that with Jesus because right. he's not dead. So how do you prove something mm-hmm. when he's gone, right? So the challenge was, he, sa- he said, um, you know, we, we can't prove that this was Jesus' tomb because he's not in it. But here's what we can prove, and we do have documentation for it, and we'll show you it as you leave. We can prove that this property was the property of Joseph of Arimathea. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. <laughs> well, yeah. now that's a pretty mm-hmm. that's a pretty important fact. Mm-hmm. Joseph of Arimathea was the one who took his body down. Mm-hmm. Joseph put him in his tomb. So, um, I mean, that's a pretty... Yeah. nail in the coffin fact mm-hmm. that we, that you would say, okay, then this was the tomb that he was put in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's um, well documented. Yeah. So there it was, and there was the documentation. It was like, okay, wow. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and I think because of the amount of witnesses in, mm-hmm. in any type of historical court case, first-person right. witnesses are kind of an end-all, be-all. They are an end-all, be-all. Right? Like yeah. if there's a murder case yep. and a person said, no, I saw that person pull the trigger... Right. It's like, oh, okay. You know, and then there was multiple witnesses that right. said, yeah, I saw that person pull the trigger too at this yeah. time. Well, we have over 500 witnesses. Right. They're like, yeah. I saw him and I saw the, the holes in his hand. Yeah. Just like doubting Thomas. Like, it's it's really him. Yeah. You know, there was not like this, oh, I think I heard somebody say that. Right. And I was like, we have people, they're still alive. Go talk to them. Yeah. This is a legit thing. Right. And yeah. we have 500 people watching his ascension. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have yeah. 500 people listening to him talk, mm-hmm. listening to him teach, giving them direction mm-hmm. about how to live their lives now. And then he literally mm-hmm. is gone. You know, he sends yeah. right to heaven, right in front of him, yeah. and then the angels come and talk to him. I mean, th- yeah, this is 500 people. This mm-hmm. isn't, this is, this yeah. is a large crowd now. Yeah. We're not talking about one mm-hmm. person yeah. that's making stuff up. Right. Uh, in a back room right, with their head in a hat or <laughs> their, you know, or up on a mountain where nobody yeah. else is or right. that, that's not what we're talking about. We're right. talking about lots and lots of witnesses mm-hmm. to confirm yeah. this one fact. Yep, for sure. Um, well, something too that I think is sometimes a question that I wonder, and I don't, haven't done a lot of intense research on this, just mm-hmm. I just haven't. Um, is in the time before Jesus rises. So he's dead and his body is put in the tomb for right. a few days and then he rises and all those things. Um, what What's happening <laughs> yeah. during that time? There's, yeah. I know there's some theological differences that yep. many people who are crazy smart have written tons of books right? and they don't have the same conclusion because it's kind no. of an open-ended thing. But, it's but very what, open-ended. But what are some of the, yeah. the theories or events that scripture kind of leads us to, but doesn't give it like, here's what actually happened. And like, here's, right. this, here's Jesus' schedule <laughs> like mm-hmm. during the time when he was 
not on earth, so to right. speak, or quote unquote dead. You know, the Silent dead. Saturday. Yeah. 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 So, um, so I guess unpack that a little bit. So what, yeah. what was kind of happening during those times when his, he wasn't there, right? but he hadn't quite, you know, hadn't shown himself. Hadn't again. shown himself physically. Um, yes. Yeah. So what was kind of happening? Right. Well, what you're referring to is the section of scripture in first Peter chapter three, verses 18 and 19 and 20. Um, and you're right. There's, there's a lot of just like what happened during that time. Well, Peter just kind of gives this brush by, like he mm-hmm. just, shoop, just a quick brush stroke and then he's off, you know, and he's off and running in a different topic. And so it kind of has led to these thoughts like what in the world could have been happening, right? So verse 18 says in chapter three of first Peter, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He is put to death in the body but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight and all, were saved through the water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. So, like... um. Later, verse 21, it saves you only by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and sit at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers and submission to him. So it really is this like, whoa, okay, you you just mentioned something, but now you're not really giving any mm-hmm. explanation to that story. Um, so I think the challenge here is, and that most theologians are working through, as they talk about this is just like, what, what is this talking about? Mm -hmm. What, what's it declaring and what's he referring to? Um, well, verse 19, if we kind of break it down after being made alive. So we're, we're talking Mm -hmm. about he's, he's now alive, but not physically shown himself to anyone. He went and made proclamation to Mm -hmm. the imprisoned spirits to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. It seems like so out of place. And mm-hmm. that's kind of how theologians feel about it too. Like what what's the context? What's going on here? Well, probably the key, um, key word here is the idea of these imprisoned spirits. This And what, what is this proclamation that Jesus is making? And kind of theologically, things hinge around that term, spirits. Uh, And probably the greatest explanation of that, and probably the one that most theologians hold to, is that what Jesus was doing here was presenting a judgment upon them. That he did go wherever they are, these imprisoned spirits, and these would have been the spirits that were disobedient to God, right? So are these the fallen angels that mm-hmm. went with Satan, um, or the one-third that left heaven? Uh, could be, uh, but it's clear that the proclamation is to them, that Jesus is making a proclamation most likely of judgment to them because of their disobedience mm-hmm. and presenting to them the fact that I'm alive mm-hmm. and now you have no authority. And that's where we get to um, at the end, Jesus is now in heaven with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. So the point is all power, and it's interesting that he's mm-hmm. going to imprison spirits that 
have a certain sort of spiritual power mm-hmm. in the spiritual realm. Yeah. And Jesus is saying, you now have no authority, none. Mm-hmm. There's, right. there's no authority that you have. Mm-hmm. I've conquered death and I, and I'm about to come out of this tomb mm-hmm. and you, you know, your end now you'll mm-hmm. know your end it's coming. And, um, and so that's the best we can, we can come up with, I think, mm-hmm. uh, because we just don't have that much material on mm-hmm. it. Um, it's kind of shrouded in mystery quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and the verse isn't like super, super clear. Yeah. So, um, that's kind of our best theological put together, I think mm-hmm. as a, as a fundamental yeah. group. Um, and that, uh, that that's that's kind of the biggest thing. I know there's lots of different things you can work through, and mm-hmm. which spirits are they? Right. Uh, you know, yeah. you know. So, um, were they souls that died in Noah's flood? Were they mm-hmm. and they're kept in prison now? Are they spirits that are fallen angels? Are they just demonic offsprings of fallen angels from Genesis six one? Mm-hmm. That's a really weird verse too. Um, or are they spirits of the fallen angels? Mm-hmm that Jesus proclaiming judgment over. There's just a lot there. Mm-hmm. The one thing that everyone pretty much agrees with is, is they are spirits. It is, he is making a spiritual reference mm-hmm. and they were disobedient and Jesus is proclaiming judgment over them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that makes sense in mm-hmm. the holistic view of he, Jesus is declaring his authority right over everything. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, his physical body has died. But his spiritual, he's as spirit going and just saying, hey, I have dominion over everything now. Right, like, exactly. Y'all, you can't yeah. handle this. Right. He's going down there and just de- declaring his power over everything. Yeah. Before he comes back to a physical form, like literally mm-hmm. a physical form. He can still walk through walls, yep. all that good stuff. But mm-hmm. yet Thomas can still put his hand in his in the holes of his hand. Like it's that weird thing, right? Like he's just kind of yeah. full body, but yet full spirit, which that's a whole nother theological <laughs> rabbit trail yes. thing. Yeah. But, um, but that's also like just showing that he has dominance over everything. Mm-hmm. Like he is, yeah, he is Lord of Lord in that. I think there's also something this else is just really important in that. And it's the understanding that Jesus came to redeem human beings mm-hmm. yeah. and that that's what he came to do. Mm-hmm. And he's proclaiming that as well. I think yeah. that, you know, there, there could have been, some desire by the demonic mm-hmm. realm to continue to torture human beings that are created in God's mm-hmm. image that they hate, mm-hmm. which is a lot of the reasons we live life the way we are today is mm-hmm. because the demonic realm is real and true and active and, um, and puts people in places that are very, very difficult and challenging. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is saying, I've come to redeem all that mm-hmm. through my yeah. death and resurrection. All of that can be redeemed. All of it can be healed. Yeah. All of it can be restored and set free. And he's proclaiming that mm-hmm. you, you don't have any hold yeah. over humanity anymore. Yep. I That's do. Good. Yeah. Well, let's get, let's get to the home run kind of this conversation. Yeah. Um, that is so yeah, there's proof he rose from the grave mm-hmm. and we can g- kind of go back to and talk more. I mean, we don't have to talk more on that, but we can refer back to what we just talked previously. Mm-hmm. So what does that do for humanity? Right. Like what's like, why is that so important? Right. Um, the resurrection of Jesus. We talk a lot of times about his death. Like he gave his life and right. poured out his blood, all essential, all good things. But sometimes we, for, we don't forget, but maybe not highlight the importance of the resurrection. Yeah. Um, so maybe just give us that like, here is why it's the 
in most important thing, right? <laughs> you yeah. know, within our faith is the resurrection. Yeah. So I think probably the biggest reason that I think the resurrection is so important for humanity is because it gives us hope. Mm-hmm. The resurrection gives us hope. Um, and, and I think it's important to recognize that without the resurrection, we actually don't have any hope. Mm-hmm. So if Jesus came perfect, died on the cross, no resurrection, there's no hope. Right. Like our sin would have been paid for, but to what end? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, how, how do we actually get to enter into eternity mm. and live in eternity and have eternal life. Mm-hmm. Well, the only reason you can have eternal life is because you're following someone that has eternal life mm-hmm. that's come back from the dead and is living eternally. Yeah. And that's what Jesus has done. And that's what makes Jesus, by the way, different from any other religious figure. Yeah. Every other religious figure on the planet was human, just like Jesus was human, but they weren't God. Jesus was God and they're dead and they're not coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means that in the end, you know, they might actually have some really great principles to live here on earth. They might actually have some pretty nice stuff mm-hmm. to say about how to treat one another and how to be kind to one another. And all of those things might be valid and might be true and might be in some ways aligned with some biblical things. Mm-hmm. But in the end, um, in the end, here's what's interesting, right? If you go as far back as we can possibly go in humanity and start to discover writings, principles, things that we're putting on paper, people we're putting on paper. The one thing that is always true everywhere on the planet, in every people group, you can go find uh, a group of people that are living in the Amazon jungle, never been out, Papua New Guinea, never talked to anyone else. And there's always this wonderment and this desire for what happens next after I die, Mm -hmm. this eternity. Like there's, we talk about there being eternity in our hearts, right? And everyone feels it. Everyone knows it. And atheists try to push it away as much as they can, but mm-hmm. it's still deep down inside. I mean, you can't get rid of what's there. Mm-hmm. It's there. All of us have this thirst, this desire for eternity. I mean, you can even look look at movies that Hollywood puts out. They try as best they can to mm-hmm. figure out how things happen in eternity. They'll have all these spiritual, eternal, mm-hmm. eternal moments. Even sci-fi movies and sci-fi shows have all these ideas about eternity and what happens when you're gone and all these things. Why? Because it's in our hearts. You can't deny what's there and what God put there, this desire to know what happens when our physical body is done. Mm -hmm. When we're done here, we all have this feeling and this just innate knowledge that we're Mm -hmm. born with because God put it in our hearts that there is something after. And that's what we have in Christ. We have hope. Mm -hmm. In 1 Peter 1.3, Peter said, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. from the dead. So the resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us Mm -hmm. something different than anything else, and that is a living hope. We can know firmly and securely that we are saved through the resurrection and that we also have new life, eternal life in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, All of that is wrapped up. And I think the other thing is, you know, God always does things perfectly. If, if he didn't need to re- come back from the dead to save us, he wouldn't have. But he did, proving that he did have to. Um, and that's so important for us, so important. Mm-hmm. And so I think it is really mm-hmm. uh, essential for us to understand that. The other thing is what we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, yeah. Yeah. where Paul says, when the perishable 
has been clothed with the imperishable. And he's talking about when we're perishable, when we die, mm-hmm. when we're clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Mm-hmm. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So Paul makes it clear here that because of the resurrection, Mm -hmm. there's no sting of death. Mm -hmm. We only have victory. If you don't have Christ in your life, then you don't have victory. Mm-hmm. You just have death. You don't have eternal life. Now here's where it just becomes really, really powerful and important for all of us. This it's hard because we we you know each of us. If you're listening to this and you're spiritually unresolved, and you're saying, "Man, I just have a lot of questions about Jesus. I have a lot of questions about Christianity." Well, so do I. I still have tons of questions, but the one question I don't have is where I'm going when I die. Mm-hmm. That question's done. It's firm. It's secure. I can have a lot of questions about how people treated one another in the Bible, about some some stories in the Bible. I can have all kinds of questions like that, that, um, and I still do, and I'm finding answers from the Lord, and I find answers theologically, but one answer that is secure and firm for me is where I'm going when I die. Mm-hmm. When my when my perishable body, body be, is clothed with imperishable and my mortal body becomes immortal, um, I know something's going to happen, and that is that death is going to be swallowed up in victory. That spiritual death will not be a part of my life. Mm-hmm. Spiritual life will be my life. Eternal yeah. life will be my life. And that's why the resurrection is so important. It gives us a living hope that we absolutely need today more than anything else. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good stuff. Yeah, I was just reading in First Corinthians 15 as you were talking to, and um, I never really caught this verse, but in 19... Mm-hmm. Yeah, 15, 19. Yep. it's a great one too. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Like if it was only just yep in this little lifetime, yeah. like, no, there's this eternity like yeah. beyond. Exactly. And that's the hope that we have in him is, mm-hmm. is that no, there is a resurrection of the dead. You yep. know, like we are going to die, but we're going to rise again. And that's the future hope. Yeah. Yep. It's good stuff. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, I know um, there's obviously a lot more that can be deep dived yeah. um, in this conversation. Yeah, we could go through this chapter verse by verse and <laughs> yeah. be here for a long, long time. And also be really confused in some parts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, what is he saying right yeah. now? I think even in our one of some of our old podcasts, we did a, we did that First Corinthians studies, and we talked a little bit about some of the hard verses and hard this verses, yeah, and stuff. But um, no, I think that's good because I think the, the biggest overarching thing that uh, like what you're saying and and what we're both saying is the importance of the resurrection is key um, to our faith. It's what yeah. truly gives us hope. It's why we can celebrate Easter Sunday, right. um, not just reflect on the death of Jesus, but celebrate the victory of his resurrection. Yeah. And that's what gives the hope and the, the life and, and everything that is great. Yeah. You know, um, without that, like it said, <laughs> we're the ones who'd be most pitied, <laughs> right? You know, yeah. um, but man, we are not because we have this eternal hope, this living hope, like you said in First Peter, um, yeah. one. So that's good stuff. Well, 
Cool. I think this was a fun thing. We did a couple podcasts, just a little bit on Easter stuff and yeah. doing a little bit more deep dives on that. So hopefully this has been enriching for those of you who have been listening and being a part of that. Um, coming up in the next couple of weeks, we're going to go into some kind of hard-hitting cultural topics. Yep. Um, talking about some of the things, hot topics that are happening within our just culture with different movements from people who are far from God yeah, <laughs> and how that's going to impact us as Christians and yeah. how we can navigate those roads um, biblically, um, but also with humility and grace and all those things. And so, yeah, so we're going to be talking about a couple of fun different things coming up um, in, the, in the coming weeks. So stay tuned for those, for those things. Yeah. Cool. All right, everyone. Have a great week. <laughs>